Late last year, the Irish Refugee Council released a detailed report on direct provision and the COVID-19 pandemic. It was based on a survey of more than 400 residents in direct provision across the country. And it gives an insight into what life is like during these extraordinary times there. It found, among other things, that more than half of respondents felt unsafe during the pandemic. 50% were unable to socially distance themselves from other residents. And 19% of those who were working had lost employment due to coronavirus crisis. Bulaleni Mfako is a resident of the Nakhlasheen Direct Provision Centre in Limerick. He's been speaking to Live 95's Rona Moyles and first explains how he came to be in Ireland. I've, I've, I arrived in, uh, in the last travel island was in February of 2017 and I would have claimed asylum in 2017. I'm from Cape Town in South Africa and when I went home the last time it was in, in around January and I learned then that a young lady who lived down the road from where I lived was openly gay, had been murdered for no reason other than her sexual orientation and there would have been others before who were murdered uh, for no reason other than their sexual orientation in my neighbourhood and other parts of Cape Town. Um, and so I left um, uh, South Africa and claimed to Salomon Island in 2017 uh, with no intentions of going back there and have been placed in Nocturne Direct Provision Centre since December. Before that, I stayed in uh, I stayed in Dublin in, in Finglas for a few weeks before I was moved to Nocturne in December 2017. What overall has your being experience like in Ireland and also more generally in in the system, the direct provision system? Well, it's, uh, from the first start, it was very isolating because when I moved to Nogleshin, there wasn't much um, uh, for LGBTQ plus people, for instance, to do. Um, there is, isn't it, it would be isolating for LGBTQ plus people who are Irish who live in Clare because there, there isn't much uh, 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 space, queer-friendly spaces. Um, so it's very difficult to socialize, for instance, to live in Nogleshin and there's no public transport to Nogleshin and to the city centre. And we then have to depend on the bus that is provided by the operator of the direct provision centre, which is three times in a day. Um, and it only stays in town for 15 minutes. So if you are going to be travelling to town, you're going to have to wait for the next bus within like three to four hours for the next one. That will take you back to Nogleshin. Um, and so it has been uh, very challenging, but also restrictions to accessing the labour market because if you can't work as a grown-up, it means that you can't look after yourself. So you have to depend on the mere uh, weekly allowance that we get in direct provision, which was uh, when I claimed asylum, it used to be 21.60 per week. It's now 38.80 per week. It still doesn't do much action. If you don't mind me asking, what are your circumstances when it comes to, let's say, accommodation? Are you in your own room? Are you sharing your room? Or, or how does it all work out there? We do have to share uh, uh, intimate living spaces such as bedrooms, bathrooms, and uh, uh, we all have to go to the canteen and get our meals at set times. Um, uh, we are not allowed to cook, for instance, in Nogleshin. Um, the centre has been operating for almost 20 years and people are still not allowed to make their own meals. Um, um, some people do cook in their rooms. There was some of the reports uh, on Nogleshin would document that people were cooking in the same spaces that they live in, like in their, their bedrooms um, uh, that they share uh, with other strangers. I am sharing the bedroom with uh, uh, one other man. My first roommate that I shared with uh, was actually homophobic. When he found out that I'm gay, he said, I don't like that shit. Um, uh, boys are supposed to be with girls. And it was terribly frightening because I came to Salem because I ran away from such 
homophobic abuse, and so I had to stay um, in the same bedroom with him. Um, and so it is uh, very difficult, and it proved to be more challenging during COVID-19 uh, pandemic because we were told to observe social distancing and keep two meters apart. Um, you can't keep two meters apart when you go to use the communal toilet, for instance, uh, because the, the, the toilet seats themselves aren't two meters apart. Um, it's the same with the taps. So when you go and you, you want to wash your face or wash your hands in the, in the basin, you're told to wash your hands. You go to the communal uh, bathroom to go wash your hands in the basin. There isn't keeping a uh, two-meter distance. That's same for communal showers. And then we all have to go to the canteen and fetch our meals in the canteen and eat in the canteen. You'd remember that restaurants have been closed until this week, actually. Um, but we had to go and congregate in the canteen for meals, uh, uh, three times a day for meal times. And so uh, uh, throughout the pandemic, um, and hence we saw regular uh, uh, reoccurring outbreaks of COVID-19 in some of the direct provision centres, including in Nokeshin. Darris is a Limerick-based organisation which works to promote and protect the rights of people from a migrant background in Ireland. John Lannan from the organisation explains how they've had to change the way in which they offer services. Well, we've had to move to new ways of working like every other organisation, but international protection applicants, refugees, um, migrants of, of all backgrounds around Limerick still need support in a whole range of areas, including immigration support, access to employment and education, to um, lots of different areas where basically we find that a lot of the service providers and a lot of the rights that they should have access to just aren't there for them. I mean, I, it, for years... Groups like yours have been pointing out the shortcomings and unsuitability, as you would describe it, of the direct provision system. But I suppose considering now what we know about the virus and the whole idea of congregated settings, it really does make it look completely outdated and unsuitable, doesn't it? It does. Um, it was set up as a temporary measure back in the year 2000 because the numbers of people who were coming to Ireland seeking international protection had increased. Um, now, in the last 21 years, it's been criticised by the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission, by the Ombudsman for Children, by the UN Committee on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights, by the UN Committee on Racial Discrimination, by a whole range of bodies that said this system just is not fit for purpose. You know, you've got people living in isolated centres without access to work or to education, um, food not appropriate to their dietary needs, a um, whole range of difficulties. People living in congregated settings where they were sharing rooms with complete strangers that might be from a different cultural and religious background. And it's, it's been really damaging on people's mental health over the years, particularly given how long it takes for international protection applications to be processed by the Department of Justice. And then you put COVID-19 on top of all of that. And then you find you know, people are living in situations where it's impossible to socially um, distance from, from others. If you're sharing a room with a complete stranger a metre or two metres away, you cannot... Um, remain safe. If you have to queue for wash facilities for food, it's impossible to social distance. So um, as, as a result, it's become particularly difficult for people. And we've had many outbreaks of COVID-19 in centres around the country as, as a result of that. You spoke about outbreaks there, but I do understand that a lot of people who 
live in direct provision, some of the jobs they would have would be in meat plants and things like that, where we've also heard of many outbreaks. Um, is that something you've heard of as well? The right to work has been extended to some of the people that are living in direct provision, so people can, in some circumstances or instances, work and have, in the most part, been working in difficult environments. You know, because when it comes to employment, they're often at the lowest rung of the ladder and they're finding that access to work is difficult, not least because as an international protection applicant, it hasn't been possible to open a bank account. You can't get a driving licence. You're living in a remote centre in, in many cases. So the work that people have been able to get is, is difficult. It's damaging to their health in many cases. They're working in unsafe or difficult environments. And one example of that is, has been meat plants. A lot of um, asylum seekers have work, been working as, as carers as well. They've been working in the health sector, c- keeping the rest of us safe. But they still have to, to, to come and go, in some cases, to, to their direct provision centres. Um, healthcare workers um, have been... Um, taken out of centres in some cases, but other workers are, are still having to come in and out of, of the centres. And that was John Lannan of Direct Provision speaking to Live 95's Ronan Moyles. And earlier you heard from Bulalani Mfaku, who is a resident of the Nocla Sheen Direct Provision Centre in Limerick.